You know, over these last uh, three weeks, I've been sharing with you about hearing God speak. And I believe that if I could tell you one key thing about following and accomplishing and doing what the Lord would have you to do, this is absolutely number one. Um, because, I mean, look, and we need to know the Bible. We need to be in church. We need to, I mean, there's some other things that come along with that. We need to be in relationship with other people. We need to be growing in our faith. But if we can hear from God, all those other things will be taken care of. Why? Because God will give us instructions that we need concerning those things. And so over these last few weeks, I've been sharing with you uh, about this. And this morning, I want to uh, wrap up, uh, at least for now, the, what I've been sharing with you. And, you know, the, the text or the, the main focus uh, verses, if you will, come out of John uh, chapter 10. John chapter 10, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses. We've been reading these. If you've happened to miss one of the last few weeks, I've uh, been talking about, uh, the first week I talked about hindrances to hearing from God. And then, you know, just different people's assumptions and things that that we deal with is, uh, you know, and so there are hindrances. And then there, week two, we talked about hindrances, uh, things that we can do even as saved you can be spirit-filled. You can be all that, you know, put all the spiritual tags that you want on it. But yet there can still be things in our life that can hinder us from hearing the voice of God. And so then last week we talked about uh, really, okay, well, if there can be hindrances, then how do we get our hearts in a place ready to hear from God? Because there are some things we can do uh, to really, and I said it this way last week, is to keep our antenna up. I gave you the example of like in the old, some of the older style cars, they had power antennas. When you turn the radio on, the, the antenna would go, how you know what I'm talking about? And yet sometimes we can just be so busy being busy that we stop listening. Um, you know, I can remember when I was growing up, my mom would say things like this. I need you to stop and look at me and listen to what I'm telling you. Because I was so busy thinking about what I was about to go do that I'm not, yeah, I hear her, but I'm not really paying attention. And she's like, eyeballs. <laughs> you know, that's what she would tell me, eyeballs. In other words, look at me. And, uh, you know, why? Because she wanted to make sure that I stopped to listen. And so there are some things that sometimes we need to do that. We got to stop and we need to listen to the voice of God. And so here in John chapter 10, uh, I'm just going to read verses 9 and 10 here. Uh, Verse 10 is a very familiar passage of scripture for many people. But Jesus makes the statement. He says, come and go in the gate. He says, those who come in through me will be saved. It says, they will come and go freely. In other words, we're not bound. Life in Christ is not legalism. He says, there's freedom when you come to me, not not bondage or law. He says, you will come and go and you will find good pasture. One of the definitions of that word pasture there means food for your soul. Rest, safety. These are all ideas. And so I've shared with you about this. The Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, we don't understand a lot of uh, shepherding terms because it's just not part of our culture. But you go into places like Europe, you go into places, other parts of the world, and you will actually still see shepherds today. But one of the roles specifically for the people that Jesus is talking to is they lived in a very mountainous, rocky area. And so green pastures like we know, like we can just drive probably five minutes in in any direction, ten minutes, and you're going to see some pasture. It's just open green land. It's like, man, some cattle need to go out there and start eating. Well, that's not the way it is in Israel. And so when Jesus is making this statement, he's really giving them an understanding is that the shepherd every day had to move his flock to a new place because grass was not abundant. So he had to move them from one rocky place to another to, for what? To make sure they had enough for that day. And so what Jesus is saying here is that, look, I will lead you into the place that I have for you and it's good. He didn't just say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to some shoddy pasture. That's not what he said. 
He says, I'm going to take you to a good pasture. In verse 10, it says, the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says his purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. Other translations, I've said this many weeks, is that Jesus says, I have come that you would have life and have it to its fullness or, or an abundant life, an over-the-top life, an overcoming life. Now, it doesn't mean a life that, you know, and I'm going to date myself when I say this, but some of you will know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like an MTV Cribs kind of lifestyle. That's not the abundant life because you can have all the stuff in the world and be miserable on the inside. Abundance starts on the inside. Because your abundance on the outside, if you are internally bankrupt, will ruin you. And so happiness and true life that Jesus is talking about starts in our spirit, man. Begins to work itself out into our soulish realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then the last place that it should show up is in the natural realm. Now, that's not always the case. But many times, if we're not careful... Our pursuit of the natural will rob us of actually what Jesus is saying he wants to lead us into, which is an abundant life. Over in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, I'm going to read this out of the name. I've shared this with you before, but it says that a man's mind plans his ways as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs and establishes, uh, establishes his steps. Over in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, we get some instructions here that say, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend upon your own understanding. Seek God's will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. And so we have an understanding here from scripture that Jesus wants to take us on a walk. We're not in charge. We're not in the lead. He says, you come and follow me. Other places here in John, he says, my sheep know my voice and they will not follow the voice of a stranger. And what Jesus is trying to lead us into is God's best for our life. Now, God's best for me is maybe different than you. And so that's why it's important that you learn to hear the voice of God. You know, really, the, the, one of the main takeaways from this whole last four weeks is this, is that Jesus, and many times here in verse 10, many of us quote this verse as well, the, the devil's out to get me to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, if you'll learn to listen to me, you'll learn how to avoid the attack of the enemy. So many times we're we're saying, God save me, God save me, God save me, God help me, God deliver me. And God's saying, if you would just learn to hear and heed my voice, I can help you avoid some danger. Now that's not always the case because there are times that the Lord says, here's a trial and I want you to walk through it. That's not on my bucket list. It's not where I'm like, hey Jesus, sign me up for that. But here's the good news is that even in those moments, he says, look, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm right beside you. It doesn't mean that he brings the trial, but it does say that I'm not going to leave you alone when you walk through it. The key word is through it. (laughs) Through it. That's the way the psalmist wrote it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through, I'm not building a house. This is a momentary event, but I am coming out on the other side. There's, there's faith attached. And, it give, and, and hearing the voice of God is vitally important for us. Because in the midst of trials and life and things that come, God can say, I'm with you. This is not your end. This is the beginning. I'm setting you up for something greater. What the enemy meant to harm you, I'm going to turn it around for your good. 
That's why it's important to hear the voice of God because you can come and hear somebody preach. You can have somebody else who, who loves you. But there are very critical times in your life that you have to and will have to hear from God for yourself. You can live on borrowed faith to a point. But there comes a place where it's, God, I've got to have that connection directly with you for me. Even in the specifics of our, of our life. I mean, we're celebrating graduates today, right? Well, guess what? They've got some decisions to make. What school should I go to? Give me a chapter verse on that. Anybody got one? I mean, LSU, the will of the Lord from the back corner there. But we don't see specifics. Should I marry this person? I, I, I don't see Dara's name in the Bible for me. I never found it. I do make the joke. Is she in here? I make the joke that her name is in the Bible, but it's the madman of Gadara. She gets mad at me every time. You know, preacher jokes, right? And uh, so she gets mad at me, though, when I say that. And uh, anyhow... Getting off topic there. Oh, there she is. What I tell you? She was coming. Busted. No, but there are specific things in my life. Do I take a new job? Do I move to this place? Do I buy this car? They didn't even have cars in the Bible. But yet God will speak to my heart. God will speak to your heart specifically about your life. And it's important that we learn to hear the voice of God. And so I want to give you a couple of examples this morning. Uh, Really, the the focus of today is how do you confirm God's word? How do you confirm it? Because it's one thing to to hear God speak, but at the same time, sometimes that creates questions too, which is, is that God? Is that just what I ate tonight and I'm up in the middle of the night and can't sleep now? Like, that passing random thought, was that the Lord? Like, how do I know? I mean, if we're all honest, I, like, I'll just be, this is just me. I get really nervous around people who are always saying, God said, God said, God said, like with absolute certainty. Because I'm like, really? I know I know the Lord and I've walked with him for a while. And there's still times where I'm like, mm, I believe that was the Lord. And there's still times that I'm like, I'm not sure if that was the Lord or not. And if we're all honest... Nobody is 100% all the time. That's right. That's true. Now, just because I'm not confident doesn't mean it's not the Lord. Right. It might be the Lord. But there are ways that I can confirm that. That what? That will bring about some safety. Because I've seen a lot of people claim, well, the Lord said, and they go and do, and the Lord didn't say, and it, what they said didn't happen. Well, they obviously missed it. And we all miss it. I've missed it. You missed it. We're all going to miss it. We're never going to reach a place where we're just absolutely can creep because we still live in a fallen world. We still have our own selfish desires sometimes that can creep up, that will cloud making the right decisions led by the Holy Spirit. And yet God absolutely says that, look, you can have all your plans, but I will establish your steps. That's the heart of God. So I want to show you an example of this from the Old Testament. Now, I'll just... And I'll get into this as we read this. But you can turn to Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at an account of Gideon here. Now Gideon is under the Old Testament. And the Old Covenant. When Jesus came he changed all the rules. 
Because in the Old Testament, only three people were anointed to actually hear God speak, which were the prophet, the priest, and the king. In the Old Testament, they were the only ones that heard God speak. That's why they would have to go to the priest and confess, and the you know, and, and the priest would have to say, "Thus says the Lord," and all these things, because God, that's the that was the channel that God chose to work through. But when Jesus breathed His last breath on the cross and said, "It is finished," what happened in that moment? The Bible says that the veil of the inner place, so the most holy place where God's presence was kept, where the priest went once a year, it says that it was ripped in half, which doesn't sound like a whole lot necessarily to us because we're thinking fabric well this fabric was feet thick and it was ripped from the top down i like to think of it this way as it was god's way of saying i'm getting out of the box he moved out of people or out of a out of one specific place and he began in that moment what he began to dwell in the hearts of men and of women that's what we call salvation that's what that moment means is that we've come alive unto God and many people are still living under an Old Testament mentality. An Old Covenant mentality which is pastor, preacher, person I trust. You hear from God and you tell me. Here's the problem with that. You bear no responsibility. None. At all. Because what happens? Well, I heard the Lord's, you know, well you said the Lord told me. Or said that I should do this. Well, now I can blame you. As opposed to actually taking on the responsibility that now I'm expected to hear from God for me. And here's, here's the bad side of that. When I miss it, I got nobody else to blame but me. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the Lord. Now, you can let that discourage you or you can let that teach you. I encourage you to let it teach you. Okay, well, that wasn't the Lord. So it's important. That we learn how to hear it because Gideon of God. But let me give you an example here in the Old Testament. Which this is kind of a unique moment because Gideon was not a prophet. He was not a priest. He was not a king. And yet God still spoke to him. So it's kind of a very unique situation. And I won't go in, I would encourage you to read Judges chapter 6. Because uh, we're just going to read a portion of it. But I'll give you the backstory. Gideon is hanging out in a hole one day threshing wheat. Which is... Completely against how it works. I lived in Kansas. We were big farming. I know how you thresh wheat. You need wind. He's in a hole. And an angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, You mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, Who? (laughs) Excuse me? Why? Because Gideon is a coward in a hole. Just trying to get enough food for a meal. And yet God looks at a coward and calls him mighty. Now that's important for all of us. Because you may see yourself as a coward. And yet God calls you mighty. You may see yourself as insufficient for the dreams of your heart. And yet God says you're well able. That's why it's important that we can hear the voice of God. Because every time we say no, 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 no. no, You got the wrong address. You meant to go down the street. God doesn't misdeliver mail. So when God presents us with something and we backtrack and say, no, 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 no. We need to hear him say, yes, yes, yes. You can do this. And it's important for us to understand this. And so Gideon is right here in the middle of this moment. And he asked God for a sign. He said, you know, he he says, you know, which is so unique, I think, in so many ways. And is that Gideon actually says, wait here for a moment. He has an angel and he says, can you just hold on for a few? Let me run home. And the most amazing thing, the angel says, okay. 
Now, a lot of scholars believe that this is actually uh, Jesus because it's called the angel of the Lord. And so, uh, you know, is it or is it not? A lot of highly educated people would say so. Does that make it fact? No. But there is a lot of reason to believe that he's actually speaking to Christ here. And, he, and so he says, yes, I'll wait. And so, long story short, Gideon begins to, you know, and there's all this stuff. That's why I encourage you to go read it. It's kind of a unique um, story because God instructs Gideon to go start making a ruckus in his community. And Gideon's like, no way. And God's like, oh, yes, you will do it. And so, you know, there's this whole story. But I want you to, I want to pick up in verse 33. And it says, soon after, because Gideon gets an army together, and it's a, you know, he starts calling people, and it says, soon after the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel. So God raised up Gideon for a fight. I love that. God raised up Gideon for a fight. You know, God still raises up people for fights today. It may not be a physical fight. It may not be an actual war, although I do believe that God has servants who he is gifted in that realm so all these nations have an alliance against Israel and their Israel and they're camping out in the uh, valley of Jezreel verse 34 it says then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power now think about this Gideon wimpy scared coward in a hole God calls him mighty and now God says I'm going to give you the power to be mighty Gideon was not powerful in and of himself, and yet God is speaking strength and power into him. It says, He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, and Zebulun, and Naphtali, uh, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. So now he's got backup. Not only is he ready to go to war, he's got backup coming. And right in the middle of this, Verse 36, Gideon, or then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, if you're going to help me win this fight, prove it to me in this way. I will put out a wolf leash on the threshing floor tonight. It says, If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you, as you had promised. It says in verse 38, and that is just what happened. Gideon got up early the next morning. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl of water. Now, many people still live under this premise today. It's an Old Testament, Old Covenant type of thinking. God, if you'll give me a sign. God, you know, if you'll make this way just abundantly, perfectly clear, like where I just know that I know that I know that I know that it's you. And it requires no faith. I'll do it. That's the problem. To do anything for God is going to require some faith. We have a better covenant. And let me say it this way. We have a better relationship with God than Gideon did. We are closer to God. Not only are we closer to him, he is now in us. The Bible says he put his spirit on the inside of us. So Gideon is doing the best he knows to do. God has already spoken to him. God's already declared who he is. God has already put power on Gideon to be this mighty warrior. And yet he's still nervous. And he says, God, let me just, let me just try you here. 
because I forgot to tell you, he'd already done this once before too, because he said, hey, I'm going to make an altar, and if it's the Lord, consume it, and God does it. So that was really the first time Gideon asked for a fleece. In other words, I need a conversation. I need you to, to affirm that this is actually you. Verse 39, right on the heels of this, then Gideon says to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked, and the fleece was dry in the morning, and the ground was, not, was, and the ground was covered with dew. So we see a story here. Where Gideon is nervous about following God. And he simply asks and says, will you confirm it for me? Now he didn't have the luxury that we have today of the word of God. He, just, he didn't. He didn't have the, I mean, they didn't even have the written word more than likely accessible to him at all. So he didn't have the luxuries that we have today. And yet, I believe many times that many people would take steps of faith if they could simply confirm that it was actually God speaking to them. I think many times is that we hear God more than we realize, but we write it off because of fear, because of lack of courage, because of lack of faith. And we're just like, well, that just couldn't have been the Lord to tell me to do that. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has told me to do things that went against my natural thinking. That's why it says there in Proverbs chapter 3, lean not to your own understanding. Why? Because God is smarter than me. God knows more about what's going on in my life than I do. And he definitely knows more about what he has for me and for you moving forward. So I have to what? Submit. You have to submit. I have to not rely on my own understanding. I'm a pretty goal-oriented kind of guy, kind of person. I set a goal, get out of my way, or I will run you over. And sometimes I've had the Lord stop me in my tracks and say, this is not what I have for you. But Lord, I've got a plan, I've got a goal, I'm halfway there, I'm well on my way. And yet I know in my heart the Lord's saying, if you want to be blessed, you need to turn. Dadgummit, this was going to be good. And in every season of my life, I have endeavored to listen for the voice of God. That I won't get stuck in a season or in a moment. Because God doesn't just deal with us necessarily always just day to day. Sometimes there are seasons in life. And he says, this is what I want you to do right now for this season. This is what's important. And it's important that we are able to hear the voice of God. Romans 8.14 says this about us, new, new uh, covenant believers, if you will. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. What's one of the markers that we actually belong to God as we hear His voice? We're led by His voice, that we follow Him. And there are absolutely ways that we can actually confirm, or another way, let me say it this way. There's another way to judge if the Lord's speaking to you. Let me, let me figure this thing out if God is speaking to me or not. And it's crucially important. Because there may be times that the Lord says, you need to let this relationship die. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's in, in another type of relationship. But there may be times where you're like, I'm done. And the Lord says, no, you're not. And you're like, oh, yes, I am. Absolutely, I am. 
And the Lord says, no, this is not the end of this. You may be, man, I'm ready to quit my job and tell my boss what I think and everybody else what I think on my way out too. I got a peace of mind for you and you and you. And I got a whole lot for you. And the Lord may say, zip your mouth. The Lord tells me that sometimes. I'm like, no, sir. And then I get all convicted and I have to repent and like deal with my heart and all these things that come along with that. But, you know, there are ways to confirm that God is speaking to you. This doesn't have to be some weird thing. It really doesn't. As a matter of fact, I think it should be second nature. We should grow to the place where hearing God speak to us is just normal. Like to the point where if we, like, if I don't hear God speak, it should be abnormal and make me nervous. I've had times in my life like this where not necessarily not hearing the voice of God, but in other aspects of my life. Like one of the things that I've always said about ministry and being in ministry is that if I ever get jaded, in other words, if I ever get hard, in other words, I'm not moved by people's circumstances, I'm done. Why? Because I lead from my heart. I know it seems like I might lead from my head, but it comes from my heart much more than you probably realize. And so if I'm jaded, now I'm numb to to people. That's a pretty bad way to try to love people. And I've had times in my life and in really what God's called me to do that I've had to realize that, man, my heart is, is getting hard. And I've had to come back to the Lord and ask Him to help me. And, and there's times in all of our lives where we're going to have to do that. And, and so what I want to do this morning is share with you over the last few weeks, I don't typically do this, but I've been giving you a list. I don't know why, but this particular series, I've been giving you a list, three, four, five things, six things every week. This morning I have four. Four things that you can confirm that God is speaking to you. Four ways that will help you to know if God is speaking to you. Because it's important, it's vitally important for us. And so number one, here's the first thing that you should do. If you believe the Lord is speaking to you, guiding you, talking to you, giving you some instruction, the first thing you can ask is this. Does it line up with the Bible? In other words, let me say it like this. Does this agree with the counsel of Scripture? Like, because, you know, we can go and cherry pick a verse and make it say anything we want. You can. You can even go get maybe even two and three and string them together and kind of make it sound about what you want. I mean, you know, but let me, let me say it this way. Because this is a better, more clear, I believe, way to, to communicate this. My perception of what the Bible says can make it say anything I want it to. The Bible's still true. But my perception. You ever done that? You read a scripture? Or, and maybe you've quoted it for a long time. And then you read it and you're like, well, that's not how it says that. See, our perception of what the Bible says can be off. And so that's why it's important. Because, and, and I've seen people do this. I've probably done this, I'm sure. Where, man, I'm standing and believing and I'm, you know, confessing the word over my life. And the problem is I'm confessing something that doesn't even agree with scripture. And I'm claiming it's the Bible. And if I would take time, if the Lord's leading me in an area, okay, what does the Bible have to say about this situation or circumstance? Let me give you an example of this. I'll give you one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. The Ten Commandments confirm our convictions of our heart. We call that our conscience. Our conscience before the Lord. 
Nobody had to tell me don't steal. I knew it was wrong. It didn't stop me from doing it. But I knew it was wrong. I knew that I wasn't to lie. It wasn't because my parents said don't lie. I knew what lying was before they ever told me. And something in me said it's not right. The Word of God. What, and, and that's in, uh, in the Old Testament. We see very clearly the Word confirms what? That inner conviction. A New Testament example of this would be, it comes out of Luke chapter 4. It's Jesus in the wilderness where the Bible says he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. For 40 days the devil was on full-on assault upon Jesus. And yet how did Jesus respond even to the iffies of the enemy? Because after 40 days in a desert not eating anything and probably if he drank anything was very little... Your mind will start to play tricks on you. And I would venture to say that it could be, who is this speaking to me? And if you really want to get, if you really look at what the enemy used to tempt Jesus with, it was ultimately to fulfill what God had brought him to earth to do. But the enemy was just giving him a shortcut. So, hey, if you'll just do what I want you to do, I'll give you everything you came here to do. I know why you're here. Let me, just, let me just make it easy for you. All that death, all that, all that going on, you ain't got to go through all that. I'll just hand it right to you. And yet Jesus' response to that was what? It is written. We would say it this way. The Bible says. The Bible says. There were other places where people came to Jesus and they asked him questions about, you know, well, the law, the Old Testament says this. What do you say about it? And his response is, what does the Bible say? He doesn't give them an alternative answer. He simply says, go read the word. Like, why do you need me to tell you about a circumstance that the word of God has already spoken to? So, does it line up with counsel? Here's another way that you can see this, so that the Bible plays along with this as well, is that when God speaks to you, is it consistent with His revealed character throughout Scripture? In other words, you know, like if you hung around me very much, you would recognize there's certain things about me. Like, if you were to go to lunch with me today, and I said, hey, I want a Coke. You're going to look and be like, that's inconsistent with your character. Right? Why? Because I don't order Coke. Right? You're going to look at me funny like, that's odd. That's, that's outside of your normal pattern of things. If I said, hey, let's go to Chinese, you're going to look at me funny. I don't like Chinese food. My wife does. But you're going to think, that's odd. Why? Because it's inconsistent with my character. It's inconsistent with what you know about me. And so when I look to Scripture and I believe the Lord is leading me, is this something God would say? I mean, one of the things I can tell you with absolute confidence, if you hang around me, you're not going to hear me cuss. Why? Because I don't. And if I did, I would hope that it would just be shocking. Just like, <gasps> 
Not in a religious kind of way, just because you're like, man, that's just not who you are. It's inconsistent with my character. Well, when God speaks to you, is this consistent with who he has revealed himself to be throughout Scripture? It's another way that I can look at this. It's not just because sometimes you may have a particular thing. You're like, well, I, I, I don't know what verse would speak to this. Okay, but is it consistent with the nature and the character revealed by God? He said he revealed himself through his word. So it's not just circumstantial, circumstantial, if you will. Sometimes it's who God is. Number two, here's the second one. So the first one is, does it line up with the word of God? Number two is this. Do godly people agree? Here's just a little clue. If God spoke something to you and you don't want to go check it with somebody who might know more than you, something's wrong. If you want to protect it and it's your little treasure, something's wrong. I don't make decisions, number one, by myself. I make them with my wife. And number two, I have people that I call and I ask and I talk to them about it. I feel like the Lord's leading me to do this. I know it might seem strange. It might be different. You know, we did some things for the church this year that we've never done. I went and sat down with all three of my pastoral council guys. And I, on paper, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? All three of them said, yes. Why? Because I don't think that I just hear from God and I'm up on a pedestal thinking, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Quite the opposite. I'm going to submit to godly counsel. Well, what makes somebody godly? Do they love the Lord? Do they have a pattern in their life of hearing from God accurately? Don't go talk to somebody who says they love Jesus, but their life is chaos and whatever they say never happens. That's, whatever they tell you, do the opposite. <laughs> you know, that's probably not the person that you want to talk to. Get some godly counsel. Proverbs 12, 15, it says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Remember earlier this year when I talked about the wise, the foolish, and the evil? Be wise. Proverbs 19. Oh, hold on. I'll tell you what, just put it up on the screen for it. Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. It says, Get all the advice and instruction you can so that you will be wise the rest of your life. It says, You can make many plans. But the Lord's purposes prevail. Proverbs 24, 6 says, So don't go to war without good guidance, without wise counsel. It says, Victory depends on it, on having what? Many counselors. Sometimes you got to go find some new counselors. Why? Let me just say it like this. Let me give you a reason why I say this. Sometimes people know too much about you to give you godly counsel. They know your past. They know your past mistakes. They know too much detail about you. So if you keep going to the same old council, they're going to keep giving you the same old council. And sometimes the Lord will tell you, get outside of what you know, branch out, and look for some godly people to get wisdom from. Sometimes you need new counsel for new seasons. Because what happens is, is many times the Lord will begin to, I'll use this word, because it's just the best word I can, will use to promote you and the people that you were with want to hold you. Quite practically hold you down. They want to keep you at their level. And the Lord is saying, yes, but I want you to come up. I want you to rise up. That could be naturally. That could be spiritually. 
There may be people and friends that you've had in your life that God is saying you need to separate so that you can grow, or let me say it this way, so that you can mature beyond the level that you've been at. But you need new people speaking new things into your life so that you can accomplish what I have for you. So you need godly counsel. So are they wise? Are they foolish? I'll give you an example of this in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Because I believe many times we can be like this here. As it says, uh, The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, who was a prophet. It says, Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. It says, One night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not gone out yet. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the uh, ark of, the, of God. It says, Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. Samuel responds, says, Yes, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli and says, here I am. Did you call me? He says, boy, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. The Lord calls out again to Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Boy, quit waking me up. Go back to bed. Samuel, it says here in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. If you've never heard the voice of God, you may be like, what was that? And when I say hear it, I don't mean hear it like audibly. I mean hear it in your heart. Many times the Bible, it's a, it's a, it's a, many times it can almost be perceived as even a thought. But it's not your thought. It's not your idea. It says Samuel did not know the Lord. In verse 8, so the Lord called a third time. And once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? And it says, then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go lie down, and if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went to bed, and the Lord came and called, uh, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied and said, speak, your servant is listening. Now this is actually tied in with number two. Sometimes, there, we can even say it this, let me say it another way. Another, when I'm talking about hearing God speak, I've just had this on my heart. It's just something on the inside. I I don't really know. I I can't really put my finger on it. And somebody else will be like, hey, Goofy, I think the Lord's talking to you. (laughs) Oh. And look, and I I wish I could say that I'm never there, but there are times, even now, even still, where something's just heavy on my heart. That's the way we would say it. Well, that's the Lord stirring you. That's the Lord speaking to you. It may not be audibly. It may not be in a way that we think, but it's just like, man, this is just, just heavy on my heart. Well, what do I do with that? I mean, it could be heavy on my heart to drive to Louisiana and eat some Johnny's pizza. That doesn't mean it's the will of the Lord. (laughs) Right? That's called a craving, not hearing from the Lord. So, do I I need to go back to Scripture? I need to look at what the Bible says. Does this line up with the character and the nature of God? So sometimes hearing from God is not a dynamic moment like, Oh my goodness, that had to be the Lord. I would say the majority of the time it's not. But it's just, man, this has been on my heart lately. I just, I don't know, I, I just can't get over this thought. It just keeps coming back. There's just this something here. I don't know what it is. Okay, well, go talk to some godly people. Get some godly counsel. Chances are they very likely will say, I think the Lord's trying to get something to you. Just like Eli had to do with Samuel here. See, Eli, um, I'm sorry, Samuel, no, Eli... No. Samuel, I'm sorry. I wrote it backwards in my notes. Samuel didn't know that God was speaking to him, but Eli had to help him to recognize it. 
Samuel didn't know. And here's the thing. God didn't get mad at him. It took Samuel four times for him to realize it was the Lord. And he would have missed it again if Eli hadn't said, Go and say, Lord, speak, because I'm listening. God didn't get upset. He just kept coming back, kept coming back. And God will do the same. He's very gracious with us. He doesn't say, well, you dummy, you didn't figure it out the first two times. I told you I ain't coming back. (laughs) He's going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. He's going to keep speaking. He's going to keep leading. Why? Because he's gracious and he's loving and he's kind. And he says, I'm going to keep speaking until you hear me. Now, the third one is, and i got to hurry up. I'm running out of time. I'm out of time. But the third one, very quickly. It's, now, this one is, is a little bit, you, have to, uh, you do have to qualify this one, but it, but it is a way that God speaks, is that many times God will speak through an open and a closed door. Revelation 3, 7 says that I will close doors that no man can close, and I will open them that no man can close. Sometimes God will close a door. God will close a season. Some, and and, and it's, you, know, you have to pray. It's not just like, well, that's not the Lord. I mean, I remember one time I was with a, a, me and Dara were at a store with a young girl who had just gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And she's trying to learn how to hear the voice of God. And she went, and we were up at the register. She went and swiped her car. Well, it was declined. And she goes, oh, well, I guess God doesn't want me to have it. No, God doesn't give a rip about the Twinkies that you're about to eat. The bank cares that you don't have money in your account. To buy these items. That's not God leading you that I'll stay away from sugar. But you know, there's a lot of people who live their life that way. Well, I guess if it's the Lord, it's going to work. I remember one time, this was years ago. uh, I guess it was when me and Dare went to buy our first house. I went to the bank to get pre-approved. They had pre-approved me and I laughed. Because I didn't know a lot. But I knew this. I can't pay that much money. Like, I don't even mean the month. I mean, they just showed me the amount. I'm like, that's double what I think I could afford. And guess what? They would have happily loaned me that money. This was before 2008. They were looking to get anybody they could in any house they could. And the more they couldn't afford it, the better. And that's what we call the housing bubble today. I laughed. Just because their approval said that I could didn't mean that I should. And it wasn't the Lord. And so, some, but there are times, though, that it seems like this is going the right way. Have you ever felt like you're following the Lord and you just keep hitting a brick wall? And you're like, what's going on? That might be the Lord telling you, hey, back up. Like, that ain't what I have for you. You're, you're beating your head against a wall for no good reason. And we keep praying, Lord, remove the, you know, <laughs> remove this hurdle. I speak to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea. And the Lord's saying, look, that ain't a mountain. That's a door that I shut. But then there's also times that doors will open and you're like, that ain't the Lord. That can't be the Lord. That's when you need counsel. You need wisdom. You need people around you. Because God may open a door for you that will totally scare you. But yet it is absolutely him that's saying, walk, take steps. Here's the last one, number four. This one has come up, I've shared this one almost every week, I think. But it, it, it's important. Is it, and it's a question is, do you have peace? Do you have peace? Like, well, how do I know if I have peace? You know when you don't. You know when you don't have it. You know when there is no peace. Why? Because you can't sleep. You're anxious. You may have ulcers. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Your mind is going nonstop. You're trying to figure everything out. 
You're trying to work your plan, do your thing. I can't tell you how many times that I have been in that place and I've gotten out of peace and I started working my plan and the Lord had to come in and tell me to stop. I've shared this many times and I'll keep it very brief. When me and Dare were getting out of debt, I believe the Lord told me to get out of debt years ago. So, man, we started working our plan, working our plan. Well, things kind of slowed down a little bit. And I thought, well, I need to help the Lord. Obviously, he's not paying attention to my life. He told me to do something, and I'm giving it all I got. To do what? To be in obedience to him. But the problem was my obedience was now dependent upon me. And so, man, I'm, you know, and I shared it, but I was a youth pastor at the time. And I was, went back, I worked at UPS when I was in college. And I went and I filled out an application to go work the morning shift before I went to work. And I thought, I can make good side money. And I remember it, I mean, it's as clear in my mind as ever. When the door shut behind me, I heard it just in my heart, just this thought rose up and said, you've crossed the line. And he didn't have to explain it. That's the other thing. When the Lord speaks, he don't have to explain it. He'll make a statement and all you need to know is there. And this is what, what, what was really being said in that moment is you've crossed the line because you're trusting in yourself. I want you to trust me. And you, I want you to trust me. You, you crossed the line. You, you, you stepped out of faith and you started trying to work this. Well, I just made the decision right there. God, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm going I'm I'm to trust you. I had to, I had to make a course correction. I'd hit a wall. I was kept hitting a wall. Like, why can't we get these? We were doing so good, man. We were paying stuff off. It was awesome. And then just like we hit the wall. And I had to hear from God for wisdom to come. Now, here's the crazy thing about the whole situation. I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. I was just like, nope, this is what I'm doing. Dad, got got my plan. High drive kicking in. Kicking in overdrive, let's go. And the Lord's like, nope, you need to trust me. And the Lord proved it out. The Lord proved it out. And so, but peace, do you have peace in your heart? Now, I don't mean that your head is just all happy and everything's perfect and everything's great. I mean like in your heart. Proverbs chapter 15, I shared this with you last week. He says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. Goes beyond anything you can rationalize or figure out. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As long as you're stuck to what you're trying to do and trying to figure out what you're trying to do, you cannot live in peace. Our best plans are not filled with peace. God's perfect plans are. Anytime that I get into a place where I, where I begin to feel peace leave, I, I take a step back. Let me say it this way is that peace can be the umpire of your heart. Now, I'm a baseball player. I grew up playing baseball. What does an umpire do? Ball strike. Is it in the strike zone or is it not? Is this in the sweet spot? Is it not? Peace can tell you, God or not. Is this in the sweet spot of God? Now, I will just throw this in there because it's, I think it's, it's valuable for you. Sometimes God will, you'll have a decision and God will say, it's your decision. I don't like it when God does that to me. Because I'm like, no, just tell me what to do. 
And I've had him tell me, you decide, I'll bless you either way. I don't really like that. But there are times that God is, is kind of like, Look, I don't care what you do. You want a white car, black car, it's up to you. What you want? <laughs> I bless you either way. It's just a car. What does it matter? And yet peace will guard our hearts. So you can ask yourself this, is my heart settled or is it anxious? Now there's a difference between anxious and fearful. I mean, you can also say it this way. Anxious could also be excited. You know what I'm talking about? Like think about Christmas morning when you were a kid. Were you nervous about Christmas morning? But you were anxious. Why? Because you're excited. Why? Because something good is coming. So you've got to be able to recognize the difference between those two. Fear is not of God. He doesn't use fear. He stirs faith in our heart. But just because we may have some anxious feelings in us, butterflies in, my, in your stomach, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, when I got married, I was very anxious. I got overwhelmed about five minutes before we walked into the sanctuary. Like all these thoughts, I mean like a flood of thoughts. What am I doing it wasn't anything about Dara, but it was, I've got to provide for somebody. Like all of a sudden, the weight of the decision I was about to make just dumped on me. And I was overwhelmed in a moment. I mean, I was, over, I mean, just, and I'm not prone to this per se. I was overwhelmed. And I thank God that one of my friends walked up to me. He was actually my best man. And he said, David, you all right? Because I'd walked away from everybody. Like we're, we're lined up getting ready to walk. And, and I'm just, I just walked off. He's thinking, you know, like, I need to go get the truck. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I mean, I was overwhelmed. And he just began to talk to me just for a moment. He just said, man, I, I believe this is God for you. Dara's a great girl. And I was like, it had nothing to do with none of that. I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm afraid. Like, what am I getting myself into? What if, I, what if I'm a terrible husband? What if I can't provide? What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I could have let that, the, the fear of that moment rob me from the life that I've got to experience for all these years now. Just because I got anxious. Just because I got fearful. But there's also times where, you know, and I experience this many times, most of the time I would say, right before I get up to minister, the devil will always come with a thought, you got nothing to say. Who are you? Yet there's an... Uh, an excitement in my heart about what? Getting to step in and to, to do what I'm called to do. So I've got a choice. So I'm not telling you anything I don't practice all the time. But I have to be able to recognize the voice of God speaking. And you have to. If we're going to experience what God has for us, we have to be led by, by the voice of God. So let me recap it and we'll wrap up. Number one, is God speaking to you? How do you confirm it? Does it line up with God's word? Number two, do godly people in your life agree? Number three, are there closed and open doors? Those aren't always the case, but many times, or I'll say sometimes, they can be. Number four is, do you have peace? What's the umpire of your heart saying? Does your heart sign off on it? Are you trying to make something happen? Or are you just agreeing with the Lord? So what I want to do here in these next few moments.